This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast. What do I say? That covers AEW, All Elite Wrestling, and the Elite Extended Universe. I was almost reverted to the thing I used to say. This isn't good for new listeners. If you're a new listener, wait till next week. I'll do better. Uh, this is Aaron. I'm joined uh, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, Aaron. Uh, you know, we might need to rejigger the opening. Anyway, we don't really talk about the extended universe so much. Maybe Did we ever? I guess we did, kind of. At the beginning of the pod, certainly we did when there were no AEW shows. We talked about, like, whatever indie shows they were appearing on and AAA shows or whatever. Um, yeah, now it's pretty much AEW exclusive. That's a fair point. Um, yeah, it's very funny to think about that we did like a lot of episodes before there was an AEW TV show. On that, you know, maybe we could make it the first AEW podcast. That's probably true, right? Oh, that's definitely true. Maybe that should be the new intro. Mm. The first and best. That's okay. I'm going to think about that for next week. And by that, I mean, as I'm starting to say it, as Mike is counting me down, I'll be like, what, what is the thing Nate said last week that I'm just going to try to say this time? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're also joined by Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? I think we should go with the first ever one because I believe this week is the, th- the third year anniversary of EE season two and season three, episode 157, because we started right after that press conference. So... I think this is the three-year anniversary. I think that was like early January 2019. So I, I think we are the first ever. So let's go with that from now on. I mean, it fucking has to be true, right? Surely to God, no one else was doing an AEW podcast yet. Well, I was certainly the first person that I know that tweeted in any sort of public manner that AEW is going to be on TNT, and that was... um. The night of the announcement, actually, right? So, and the announcement was New Year's Day three years ago, right? So, yeah, there's, I think it's physically impossible for anyone to have beat us to market. I I think you knew about that. I I think you knew about it on New Year's Day three years ago, but I don't think it became public for some time after that. Well, I I tweeted... uh, significant hints about it i think um, oh, okay all right and then yeah certainly the announcement with their little video outside the tokyo dome was that same night slash day yeah see we should have tricked everyone into thinking we were a scoops podcast by dropping that uh tnt news way early but i think you were i think you were worried about burning your source yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I mean, we didn't want to burn bridges. I think now we would absolutely do that if we wanted to, right? Oh, yeah, love to burn bridges now. <laughs> yeah, so so unlike you, the old you, Aaron. <laughs> I've changed a lot. <laughs> Back in the day, you and promoters, you were so worried about maintaining your bridges. Speaking of NXT releases, no. Boop, boop. Oh, no, we didn't. we didn't get any news on that front today not not even uh referenced in the uh post from our good friend sean ross sap yeah it's a mystery it is quite a mystery okay this podcast evolution is a mystery (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if uh i can't remember if i ever said this publicly or not but in the 
season one, Everything Evolves, the theme music, it was the uh, Tim Thatcher entrance. I don't know what the actual piece of music is called. Um, and then I put drums behind it to like give it a little bit of a of a cooler vibe, you know? And then I put bass behind it. I thought you put it. bass behind it. Okay, yeah. I did. And the bass line is the bass line from Evolution is a Mystery. Really? That was like, okay. That was, that was a little, that was, as my friend Johnny Gargano would say, a little Easter egg. <laughs> cool touch for the gamers. Exactly. But yeah, Evo- yeah, I, I did the bass line from uh, that song. Nobody go back and do a copyright strike or whatever on that, by the way. It was an interpolation. I replayed it. Yeah, you, you, can, you can borrow a bass line. I think so. I like the word interpolation a whole lot. Well, I read way too many uh, liner notes as a kid and for <laughs> hip-hop albums, so know a lot about What's your favorite? Uh, here's my favorite interpolation before I, before okay. I throw it to you. Uh, there was a lot made about the Wu-Tang album um, that was not very good. The Eight Chambers? What was it? It was the one that came out probably in like 2004, 2006. Um, post old dirty bastard death. Uh, and in the run up to the release of the album, there was a lot made because Rizzo was like, um, like, Oh yeah. You know, we got, we got a Beatles sample on the track. We actually got a Beatles sample. It's like the first time anybody sampled the Beatles for a hip hop track or whatever. Um, and I think it might've even been their like old dirty bastard remembrance track or whatever. Uh, of course, when you got the liner notes, it was not a sample. It was an interpolation, uh, but they had Donny Harrison play guitar <laughs> for the interpolation. <laughs> Is it pronounced Danny? It might be Danny Harrison. D-H-A-N-I. George Harrison's e- son playing while my guitar. Am- Donny? I thought it was Donny Harrison. That's what I said first. I don't know. Eight Diagrams, name of the album. I, the, I knew it was eight. Of course, Chambers was the first album. The eight diagrams. Right. All that. See, the Wu-Tang math, it's just there's too much of it. Yeah. It's easy to get lost. I don't – it's hard for me to think of my favorite interpolation. I mean, I don't know that my brain really catalogs things that way. Um, a funny one is oh, – I can't think of his name. The, the guy from Aerosmith playing Dream On for the Eminem song rather than oh, yeah. sampling it. I think that's funny. Ooh, I would love to pull his name. Joe oh. Perry. Joe Perry. Joe Got Perry. It. That's right. Got it in one. Not Steve Y'all wouldn't Perry. think I would be able to pull that out. Yeah. No, Steve Perry's no. from a Journey. Uh, yes. I thought you were a Nas fan uh, yesterday, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have listened to a fair share of Nas, but uh, I was more excited about my new server and Network Attack Sorge. NAS, my Nas, that's coming in. Well, he See, just I, knew recently... he, I knew he didn't mean Nas the rapper, but my next guess was like, well, Nas for like a Fast and the Furious car is NOS, Nitrous. Right. So it can't be that, but that was my only guess. And I'm like, I don't think Mike put Nas in his car. <laughs> That'd be yeah, so sick. no. <laughs> my little hatchback right now. Just with just geared up with Nas. Uh, y'all didn't ask what my favorite interpolation was. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I, I threw it out to the group, and then Aaron butted in. 
Right. Um, yeah. To, to kindly answer do. my question, uh, Mike, what's your favorite interpolation? Well, I don't know much about music interpolations, but I do love a good pixel interpolation that you can get with some uh, upscaling that you either will get <laughs> with retro <laughs> retro handhelds when you don't exactly have an exact integer scale for pixels, such as with the uh, analog Super NT. You can't necessarily blow that up to a perfect pixel uh, integer scale, so you have to interpolate it so you don't get weird pixels there. That's exactly right. It's a great one. Weird pixels. <laughs> <laughs> I I looked up a uh, best interpolations list, and nice. I don't know any of the songs, so it's not helping me at all. Uh, I think Joe Perry was he also on the Nelly track, the one? No, number one. Uh, oh, am number one. Was he? There was certainly a guy playing guitar in there. I think it was Joe Perry. Hmm. Of I course, I think we can all agree the best uh, featured guitarist on a rap track has to be uh, the Puff Daddy cover of Come With Me for the Godzilla soundtrack <laughs> with Jimmy Page. Uh, yes, I love that. Uh, I was just thinking the other day about the Hate Me Now music video. You guys remember that? Ooh, another Puff Daddy Nas collaboration. That's yeah. Great music video. With like... Puffy on the cross, right? Or yes. was it Nas on the cross? One of them on the cross. And then Puffy was like, "We have this video has to be taken down. It can't be played anymore. <laughs> didn't didn't that lead to, directly to the shooting at the record label or at the radio station? Oh, God, the fucking the shine shooting that shine went down for. I think. Right. I, th I think they, they were definitely if, if there was not causation, there was definitely a correlation between the music mm. video controversy and the shooting. Wow. Changed a lot, especially for the people of Belize or wherever Shine is like the president now. <laughs> no, I think Shine died. Wait, Shine died like last year. You're, no, that's, oh, not, that's not true. Shit. No, Black Rob died. Yeah, yeah Black uh, Shine Rob died. Was, Whoa. Shine was the of former all. leader of the opposition for Belize. But, we oh, definitely so discussed... Was, yeah, you're right. Belize, we, Belize. And we did discuss uh, Shine... And his uh, Belizean political career on a Patreon episode, I think. <laughs> Excellent. What's the What's the Big Shine song? Uh, no, Collective Soul. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Bad Boys, right? Is the name of the the Shine song? I don't know. It's got the big. I don't know that uh, he had, he didn't have like an MTV hit. Oh yeah, he did. No, he was like a, he was like a, you know, not an MTV guy. No man, Bad Boys. This was a huge song, and it has. Can you oh, can you quote quote some of the lyrics for me? Can you break it down for us, Aaron. Um. Well, I mean, now you put me on the spot. I mean, it's really not fair. No, this yeah, this this video might have been on BET. Banging, banging the streets. Uh, this was not an MTV. This was definitely on MTV. I've seen the video. Yeah, on BET probably. Okay, that's racist, first of all. Second of all, no. They, it were, was on they were... Shine was huge, man, for like five days. Man, it peaked at number 57. That was not That was not making TRL. That was not even making okay. the grind. It was definitely not on T. No, I'm not saying it was on TRL. I just mean it showed up on... 
on MTV. Anyway, it's got this great sample of a Grace Jones song in it. Nightclubbing is the name of the Grace Jones song. And uh, who it, wrote that? Who wrote Nightclubbing? Yeah. I have no idea. Well, I can tell you a credited songwriter on Bad Boys, David Bowie. Really? Yeah. Huh. I'm going to see. I, I'm assuming he's the the writer of the Grace Jones song that was sampled. I would have to assume so. Grace Jones has a genre of sophistopop. <laughs> uh, wow. Now I'm looking this up, but I, I love this song, Nightclubbing. Not well, enough to not, know who wrote it, apparently. <laughs> it's not a... You don't mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. David Bowie and Iggy Pop. Really? Fascinating. How about it? Well, it's a great song, and the... Oh, you know what? It's a, it's a Iggy Pop cover. That's that's why. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just showing, then why didn't showing my ass he here. Get, yeah, then why didn't he get the cover or the writing credit there? Like, I'm looking at the track right now, and... I, I rec- oh yes no he has Jim Osterberg there we is go it, he does yeah, get the under, writing credit yeah under his shoot name which I do not know offhand Jim Osterberg he used to live in Miami he would show up to like the record stores all the time Sick. just like little jacked uh, uh, Iggy Pop just going in there getting like the the newest like Toro Moi record well there you go it's a it's a great song, the Grace Jones version. I don't know the Iggy Pop version, and it's a very cool sample. The way they used it uh, for Bad Boys, the uh, Shine song, is good. So, you know, check that out. Anytime. That's a uh, a little unusual. She did a cover, and it became the title track of the album. She named her album after the cover song. That's true. That's true. Shine also had the cool, like, uh, Barrington Levy was in a lot of his songs, and he would do just like the... I'm not going to try to do it because I would embarrass myself, but uh, it's cool. That's really all. Oh, Use Me. That's a, this, actually, there's a lot of uh, Bill Withers songs she's got on here. She's got a Sting song. That's probably a cover. Going to have to check out this album after the show. Uh, yeah, it's probably good. Uh, Drew101 is in the YouTube chat uh, asking about the guitar outro solo on Bombs Over Baghdad. You know, uh, for the longest time, we used to listen to Bombs Over Baghdad, uh, and we had some track off Kazaa or LimeWire or whatever. That was the Rage Against the Machine remix. Or no, Zach LaRocca. Zach LaRocca remix of Bombs Over Baghdad. And I always thought it was like an apocryphal LimeWire naming thing, right? Where somebody made it up and they're like, oh, this is uh zach de la roca remix of this song and it wasn't really but it actually was really and it was uh added to spotify at some point i was like oh shit that's real so that guitar solo it was done by one of their guitarists david wilder donnie mathis the label wanted kid rock to come in there but andre 3000 (laughs) said no i don't want to be overshadowed by kid rock holy shit (laughs) that would be andre 3000 said Label, you're not going to tell me how to live. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. That's so funny. I got to fight with my dad once because I was singing this song. <laughs> he was like, you probably think that war was bad too, don't you? I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking of course I do. That's fuck? funny. Yeah, who do you think I am? All right. 
at everything <laughs> AEW is our Twitter account. We talk about interpolations there a lot. So if you're into that, or if you're not into it, we never talk about interpolations on there. Uh, I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah, with two eyes. Subscribe to the podcast. Go to linktra.ee slash everything AEW. Find all our links. If you use the Apple Podcasts app, give us a five-star rating interview. If you use Spotify, give us a five-star rating. But our friend Ogan has informed us that you actually have to listen to episodes on Spotify before it will allow you to rate uh, the podcast. So listen to all of the episodes we've ever done and then give us a five-star rating. Yeah, do the old um, K-pop tactic or that other band I've forgotten uh, and just put it on, put it on mute and go to bed and then wake up in the morning and you can, you can write it for us. Absolutely. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is go to patreon.com slash everything elite. We've got lots of good stuff there. All right. We'll kick off the show as we like to do with elite or delete where we talk about our favorite and least favorite things from the show. Nate, I'll start it off with you. What's your elite pick? Your favorite thing from this week's episode of Dynamite on TBS? I'm a little surprised we're going to me for the elite here. I thought this might be a classic Aaron Bentley break the format kind of show where we just talk about the consensus best thing on the show, which I think we probably all agree was the first match. <laughs> uh, first match, Brian Danielson, Adam Hangman Page. For the AEW world title uh, in a 60-minute time limit match with three judges at ringside, uh, this was unbelievable. <laughs> totally <laughs> blown away by how hard and how crazy these guys went in this match. Um, you know, I have to I have to eat some crow because a long time ago when Danielson was just like, a, oh, what if AEW could get Brian Danielson someday kind of thing. You know, I was kind of like, oh, you know, Brian Danielson, I think you absolutely have to go get him and sign him. You know, he's a big star. Um, he'd be a, a great coup for the company to say, hey, we're the major leagues here. We've got Brian Danielson. Uh, but I was like, oh, but I'm, you know, I'm not especially interested in, you know, seeing what big matches he's going to have, have on this roster. It's not like, you know, obviously you're going to do an Omega match, et cetera. But it's not like a guy where it's like, oh, I need to see this guy all the time. Uh, and he pretty much has proven me wrong. Uh, and I think especially with these two Adam page matches, uh, I guess I honestly, I just, I just had my mind tainted by the WWE image of Brian Danielson and what that guy did, uh, and what that guy could be. Uh, and it turns out Brian Danielson can be, <laughs> uh, in his, I don't know how old he is in his advanced age tier. Uh, he can still be the best fucking wrestler in the world. He can go out and do, a 35 minute match uh, where he is gushing blood like the great Muda uh, and just do, you know, solely headbutt focused offense and make it the most compelling thing you've ever seen. Um, but, you know, this wasn't just like a nasty bloodbath brawl, although it was that. Uh, they also, I mean, the degree of difficulty of some of those spots they were doing right off the top is just like the kind of thing that makes your mind boggle. Um, and they kept them all together. Everything flowed perfectly in the match. Uh, everything looked awesome. Um, you had great character stuff with Danielson starting off being his little evasive, uh, dismissive prick self. Uh, and Hangman Page just being the valiant babyface who's just going to have more fighting spirit. And this time, you know, he knows he can hang with Hang, or he knows he can hang with Danielson. So he just took the fight to him. 
right from the beginning. Uh, and you know, that really peaked, I think when you had the extremely bloody Adam page doing jumping jacks in the corner to mock Danielson, that was sick match was sick. Uh, finish was exactly what it should have been. You know, they fucking went to war for half an hour and then Hangman hit his move and pinned him clean in the middle of the ring. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I, I guess I probably prefer it to their first match. I mean, you know, I, I won't re- rewatch either of them, but if I were to rewatch one of them, obviously the shorter one is going to be the one I rewatch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it, the, the excitement and tension and intensity that I felt watching this match um, was the best of 2022. And I think it was better than their previous match, which was already an awesome match. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Miu, Yamashita, and Mizuki, I have a new match of the year for 2022. It is, it, it is this match. Like I, I, in my spreadsheet that I keep notes on, I went full five on this. This was incredible. This was everything I wanted out of this feud. Uh, we got good blood. We got some crazy headbutts that were so super sick as well. It just all in all came together, and it felt like just an epic match. And it felt like this is the way you wanted to start off your TBS era with one of the best matches you've ever had on TV. And came off awesomely. It just was an absolute win. After like the, the, uh, I, I, the build at Aaron, we talked about this like that on uh, Road 2, like it really felt like they built so much of this around the fact that it's like, oh, cardio was such a factor here. Now we have to readjust expectations on can, uh, can hangman have the cardio to stack up here and they played off of that in the, like in the first five minutes and they dropped it and they went and had an insane match uh did do an over and under in the discord tonight set it at 35 gotta say a lot of people took the over but this match came in at under half an hour and i thought that it was perfect like i don't think it's my favorite match in AEW history i still think that's probably either the cage match or uh, Cody and Dustin, but it's up there. And I thought that this was a really, really special match and the right way to start off the new era on TBS. Yeah, I was one of the people who took the over when you called for it because the the match was weirdly paced in that it it was really slow for the first, uh, probably at least half of it. And they really went up a gear toward the end of the match and uh, and started going hard. And I thought the match for me got a lot better once. uh, Well, pretty much once Danielson was super bloody, that was kind of the turning point of the match for me. I said the night that of the uh, first match between these two, I said, okay, like what does page do? What does he learn that he applies to the second match so that it makes sense for him to beat Danielson. And I guess I'm still not positive early on in the match. It looked like he was going as quickly as possible with his big moves. Like, okay, I need to hit these impactful moves early to try to, a, I guess you can play it into the cardio story, but B just this, I got to finish this guy in under 60 minutes. So let me hit the big stuff now. So that made sense to me. And then certainly the spot where he, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he didn't, but it looked like he just rammed Danielson's head into the ring post like three times. 
uh, on that spot. I, I don't know. Danielson might be down for that. <laughs> That's true. I guess it's very possible. So at that point in the match, I started to think that the thing he had learned was I just have to be more violent, like not in like a corny way, not in a why am I so violent way, but in just how like do a, I be more violent? <laughs> right. But just in a, oh, I've got to beat the shit out of this guy. That's the only way to beat him is to beat the shit out of him. So I don't know. Do, what do you all think? Is that what you took away from like how Paige was able to beat him and beat him uh, fairly quickly if you consider the first match? Well, I thought it pretty much computed to me. I guess my idea of the first match was, you know, Danielson's the better wrestler, but Hangman has proven to himself that despite that, he has the fire and babyface fortitude to, you know, hang in there and fight against that and not give up and escape from his signature moves or, or just withstand his signature moves. TJ Hawk pointed out that Paige, I think kicked out of like four different Brian finishers or, or escaped from four different Brian finishers uh, in this match. Um, so Paige having proven that to himself, just said, I'm going to take the fight to this guy right away. And the, the story at the beginning of the match uh, and any of the slow portions was Danielson is trying to outlast him again. He's trying to escape from him, you know, run from the ring from him, be on the outside uh, and use that clock to his advantage or whatever. Uh, And Hangman, you know, not wanting to go toe to toe with him on technical wrestling or whatever, basically has his offense be, uh, you know, for the first eight minutes or something. He's like, okay, I'm going to do dives and planches and, you know, hurl my body into you. Uh, And that's not something you can, technician your way out of um and you also had a bunch of uh sick reversals where danielson attempted the same and hangman's like no i'm stronger than you i'm gonna catch you and i'm gonna you know suplex you on your head or whatever so i think that kind of made sense to me that hangman had proven to himself what's the uh to the giants and the patriots where the patriots had their undefeated season uh in the regular season and then they beat the giants on like the last game of the regular season maybe uh, but in that in that game, the Giants proved themselves that hey, we can go toe to toe with these guys. We're competitive with these guys, uh, and you know they're not going to blow us out like they did every other team in the league. And then the Giants get him again in the Super Bowl and beat him. I guess I'd analogize it to that, where it's like Hangman proved that he can hang with Brian Danielson, even when he's playing Danielson's game, and even when Danielson can get the technical advantage uh, and you know reverse his moves and see what's coming. Uh, so D- Paige was able to come out in the second match, throw caution to the wind and say, fuck it. I'm going hundred miles per hour. I'm throwing my whole body into you. Uh, I'm going to get bloody. I'm going to go crazy. Uh, and I know that I can be right there with you to the end. And by doing that, he upped the intensity and, and knocked, uh, Danielson's head off. Yeah. It, that was really how my read of the two matches were maybe more so that, in the first match, it was so much Brian just like going like, oh, okay, this is what I'm doing here. I can out-wrestle you. That's fine. And just not being able to put away uh, Hangman. But, like it shows like something that Hangman's perseverance p- put into play there. And then the idea that eventually just like power or sheer grit, you know, the last five minutes really were Hangman's minutes in that match. The second one really was just hey man just deciding like i'm not i i'll go with your match for like this for like the opening and then maybe that was more of the section that danielson truly was in, in control if we were going to judge this match and you wanted to break it up 
the first third was Brian Danielson's. But then he started having his match, and then the blood came out and just really just went through it and just summoned, like, had it had the hangman match in a way. Like, the first match was a Danielson match. The second match was more of a hangman match. And with having his match, he was able to kind of just steamroll him. Like, that's kind of the way that you, you look at how he, he beat, like, Kenny Omega, like, in under 20 minutes. Like, when Danielson was not able to, like, a lot of, like, the very big wins for Hangman Page were shorter matches. So, I felt like that it kind of was just shifting between having one match beat Danielson's and the other one being Hangman's. And Hangman's match had it, well, it was something that, like, he was able to take care of business on under an hour, whereas Danielson was perfectly fine being like, oh, yeah, time limit draw. I won that match. Let's do a judges for the next one because i'm so confident that i will keep you in my match for this rematch that i will be champion and in that way in retrospect it was a lot more satisfying of a story than it was kind of being played out in a way is anybody talking okay i don't think anybody's talking um the so i just solved it so yeah the, the story of the hangman character here right has been that uh, you know, he lost his confidence. He was a depressed, anxious millennial because uh, he couldn't hang with the elite. Uh, and then he ended up leaving the elite and he was on his own. And he, you know, was the was the partner to Kenny. But then Kenny ended up beating him and become the champion. Um, so really him finding the Dark Order and finding some new friends that like him and all this stuff gave him the confidence he needed to beat Kenny. And that's just these, these two matches uh, in relief here is... Hangman had to go and find his confidence again. He had to, he, he, he couldn't doubt himself about hanging with Brian Danielson, despite him being, you know, the best wrestler of all time or whatever. Um, so he had to have that first match to find that confidence, to be able to say, yes, uh, I have the confidence. I know I can beat this guy. Uh, and even though I ran out of time to do it the first time around, now he has that foundation of confidence where it's like, Hey, now that I have the belief in myself or whatever that I can go, and hang with this guy. Now I can go at him full throttle and and actually get the win. I I really like kind of the synthesis of of both of your all's points, especially because in like the first third of this match, I started to worry or wonder like I don't know maybe Danielson just kind of eats this guy up like maybe Paige just isn't like I mean Paige isn't on Danielson's level. I think that's clear as like a pro wrestler. That's not even. That's not even anything negative about Adam Page. It's just Brian Danielson's one of the best of all time. But I was starting to worry, like, ah, I don't know if Page really shines it, uh, with Danielson. And then when it kicked more into a Page match, all that went away. And I was like, oh, yeah, this guy is good. He's very good. And when he's doing his thing, um, he's one of the better guys in the company at it. So I think you all are exactly right about uh, what the story was and, and how it all made sense. And in the end, they had a great match. Paige, I, I just had a concern that like, oh, Paige is going to win this and it's going to feel stupid. Like, oh, he really shouldn't be beating this guy. But no, they were able to tell the story through the two matches that by the time you got to the end of this match, it was like, hell yeah, Paige is supposed to beat this guy at a good start to his title reign. Yeah, this to me felt like the start of his title reign. Uh, I was you know, a little cold on the Omega match uh, as far as being like a crowning moment, you know, blow away spectacle where they go toe to toe and have this big epic and then Paige wins. Um, it just didn't reach those peaks for me. Uh, whereas this, you know, felt like a epic 
match between these two guys. Uh, you know, I probably not controversial. These are probably Adam Page's two best matches ever. Um, so, you know, I have to have to credit what they did in this the little story with with Page and and Danielson. They set it up perfectly with all the Dark Order stuff with Danielson being a, a huge prick heel, uh, and then they delivered in the ring. Uh, and Page, absolutely, yeah, did not feel unearned. Did not feel like you know a uh, uh, a booking decision that Adam Page won this match. You know, it it pierced through the veil of like, oh, there's this fake wrestling thing, and it's like, no, Adam Page can absolutely stand there and hold the belt and be like, no, I'm the world champion. I beat Brian Danielson for whatever that means. All right. I, I know I didn't do this at the top, but now I'm thinking maybe that should be our elite section. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since we we're pretty long talking about, yeah. Talking about that match. Uh, I'll, I'm going to give out a couple of elites and hit our listener elite. One elite. It is of course, uh, one of our great patrons, Aaron Quinn's birthday. So elite Aaron Quinn today. Uh, if you didn't see it on Twitter, I sent her a an Alex Gracia birthday card signed by the Pink Dream, Alex Gracia. Uh, so, you know, play your cards right. You could get your own happy birthday card from Alex Gracia, the Pink Dream. I wouldn't bet on it, though, because I don't think I've ever gotten a happy birthday card from Aaron. Same. Well... This is probably the first birthday card I've ever sent to anyone. So, you know, or Christmas card didn't didn't get a Christmas card. I don't send Christmas cards for sure. But you know, New wow. Year, New Me. You never know. Yes, happy birthday! Happy birthday! Uh, another elite I wanted to give out because uh, you mentioned him, Nate. Our friend TJ Hawk just put out a book: the 2021 CM Punk and Brian Danielson AEW Match Diary. It's on Amazon and probably anywhere else you can buy books. So uh, go check it out. That's my sales pitch for TJ's book. Um, It's really sick. I will have a link to it in the show notes for folks. Absolutely. Couldn't help but notice I didn't get an advanced copy of the book. Wow. Brutal. I did, of course. Noticed that. Yeah, I saw. Mike did also. Yeah, no, Patrick got one. Patrick got one. That's right. That's right. Oh. It's nice to know where you stand. <laughs> it is. It is. Our listener elite, and if you want to uh, be featured in, I'm literally, I'm literally sipping tea like the Kermit meme. <laughs> <laughs> TJ will never listen what to kind this. Of? So. <laughs> so why are we plugging this book for? I'm just being nice. So He's been can... on our Patreon. Yeah. He's a friend of the show. Uh, yeah. uh, I think you got to be a regular listener to get a plug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very fond of TJ, so it's really all you got to be to get a plug from me. <clears throat> Someone I'm fond of. All right, listener elite, you want to be on here? Join our Patreon, get in the Discord. Uh, this week's listener elite is comes from Jamie Wonders, elite Jade winning without interference. Yeah, the, it, sure. it was this strong win for Jade. I mean, she practically murdered Ruby on that Avalanche Jade. <laughs> and it was a cool moment. So, yeah, no, the, uh, Jade came off looking like a star. All right, I'll do my do my topic of discussion here. Uh, you know, nice moment. They had Jade win and her family was there. She had her daughter. There was some good 
good photos of her with her daughter celebrating with the belt. Uh, did Tony Khan have Jade bring her daughter to television specifically despite Big Swole's daughter? I don't think so. I that 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 seems I mean, he's gone silent about all this, so I don't think that he would be like sneakily doing that. You know? uh, it's pretty pretty uh the opposite of sneaky, it was right there on national television. Because that, of course, was the criticism that uh, Big Swole's daughter watches WWE and she can see people that look like herself. So Tony Khan puts literally Jade Cargill's daughter on TV. I don't know. Uh, let's go to our uh, our expert in pettiness, Aaron Bentley. Uh, I don't put anything past Tony Khan as it relates to pettiness. My man literally posted a tweet where he said, actually, I didn't renew her contract because she's bad at wrestling. So I 100% think it's possible that he do that on purpose. Uh, but regardless, as someone was saying in the Discord, it's going to be a great promotional thing for them. Obviously, Jade is going to be a featured part of AW for some time. Uh, she's the first TBS champion, obviously, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Uh, or we can talk about it now. So either way, it's good. Uh, but frankly, if you're me, it's better if it was petty also. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. Uh, they probably could have done like the photos that were coming from the arena were very good. Uh, and they could have put those on TV more even. Um, uh, Tony came out and hugged Jade and hugged his her daughter after the match as well. He could also have, you know, had a Chiron pointed out that, uh, you know, she's married to former Major League Baseball player Brandon Phillips. I mean, they had a celebrity right there and nothing. Oh, I didn't know that was somebody. Yeah, Brandon Phillips. That dude, Cincinnati Reds. That's right. That dude, BP. Lots uh, of celebrities in the in the building. Had Snooki and Wow, of course. Westside Gun was not in the building. To be sure. Westside Gun. Um, <laughs> just getting totally far afield from the show. Uh, very funny that WWE copyright claimed all his music where he was uh, using apparently uncleared WWE audio samples. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, even funnier because uh, that dude, Greg Hamilton, called Westside Gun out for this very thing. And it appeared he got fired because of like being petty on Instagram. And But he was like 100% correct. Maybe Greg Hamilton picked him off to it. I don't know. I, that's kind of my assumption is that they didn't, they had no idea this was happening until Greg Hamilton put it on their radar uh, and he lost his job for it. Well, it's funny because I posted, uh, if you subscribe to our Patreon, I did the show about uh, the lead up to Starcade 83 and I talked about this Ric Flair promo and I uploaded it to YouTube privately and they claimed it but only in like Middle Eastern countries it was like the only places I couldn't play it or like you couldn't watch it on YouTube I don't know why so you can watch it in well, the United States or whatever well Aaron that's because they're still going for that Mina TV deal if you, if you I, listen I to so. Russell Nomics, they're, they're having issues with that TV deal, you know, with that. So that's probably well, why. It really pissed me off because it's like, oh, that means you have all these episodes of of um, Worldwide uploaded 
so that it can be scanned when people do things on YouTube, but you don't put it out there for people to actually watch. So that's, that's great. Uh, yeah, but uh, they got copyright claim. So, or Westside Gun got copyright claim. So that's funny. And you know what he gets for being a little uh, baby about <laughs> the whole thing on Twitter about nobody wants to give me front row seats and be nice to me. <laughs> Yeah, there's an undercurrent of that also. And then and then NXT invited him to a show after that to be like, yeah, we're young and hip. Yeah. And then they claimed his shit. Very funny. It was all, it was a scheme. It was a trap. Yeah. Watch your back, Braun Breaker. Watch your back. Oh, man. Westside Gun versus Braun Breaker. I just really no. wanted to say the name Braun Breaker. It has such a great cadence. That's it all does. I know about him. Uh, all right, well, let's talk about shit we didn't like from the show. How about that? Uh, but I'm gonna cool. uh, go start with Mike since you know I went to Nate on that, and then we didn't do anything else. So, Mike, what was your delete pick from the show? Yeah, so this was just like a difficult episode for me. Like I really love the opener, and then there just was a lot of stuff there that I just kind of was not feeling so much, for lack of better words. And one of that was a thing that just kind of really kind of took me off. Like the Jay Cargill versus Ruby So was like Jay came off like such a big star at the end. Like I feel like that that is uh, undeniable. But the match itself really wasn't that good, to be quite honest. It just is something that like you had a lot of run-ins kind of just uh, eating up time here until finally... You know, everyone got ran away. We had Rosa and Mercedes Martinez, and then we had Mark Sterling thrown out. And it just was like a match that with Jade, like it, it was very clear from the outset that Jade was going to win this tournament. Like they've been building up there. They've been protecting her. They've been kind of having her do on-the-job training. And then you had Ruby Soho, who's in such a weird spot and even in, in, in an even weirder spot now coming out of this. And, you know, for like this moment, like we got the great moment with Jade celebrating with her daughter afterwards. Like the finish was sick because it was like all brutal and all of that. But the match leading up to it, just to like crown, like and have like a coronation moment, it wasn't what needed. I don't know if it's something that maybe Ruby was the wrong person to have with Jade in this kind of match, or if it just was like, just like wires got crossed here but this match i felt like i i was really let down by it i thought this could have been like jade's like crowning moment and it ended up being that way yeah i mean i i thought the episode was really good overall uh but i don't disagree about this match the you know it wasn't a blow away great match where you came away going oh yeah you know jade uh went out there and had a classic and beat her and won the title um but i didn't expect that also i think since probably the like third, second or third week that Jade was on TV, we were saying, you know, Jade should be Goldberg. They should give Jade the Goldberg push. She should be going out there and beating people in, uh, you know, under five minutes, you know, at least once a month on TV or something. Uh, but they never had any interest in doing that. They wanted Jade to be, you know, their, uh, I don't know, fit into their, their, their mold of work rate wrestlers or whatever, where, all the matches are going to be, you know, eight to 16 minutes. Um, and she's going to have to go out there. And like you said, learn how to do those matches on the fly on television. Um, and 
you know, I like Ruby, but Ruby is not the person where she's going to be able to uh, shoulder even more of the burden where she can be the other half of that match and make it a great match when, uh, you know, maybe neither of them are suited to doing like a big work rate classic in that position. Um, so that's kind of where I fall on it. You know, but we got we got what was important from the match, which was, uh, you know, Jade getting the win, Jade looking like a star, Jade being extremely cool, uh, Jade holding the belt, Jade holding her kid. You know, we hit those important points. Um, but yeah, the match was really like, a, okay, we're counting time until we get to the important points here. Because uh, I wasn't expecting and didn't get, you know, a, a great blow away match from these two. Yeah, pretty weird to set this up as your final match, knowing what you wanted Jade to look like coming out of it. Um, Ruby, I think it's fair to say she hasn't been great in AEW so far. Um, not ready to like, you know, tell her to go away or anything. I, I I really liked her on the indies and I never saw anything she did in WWE. So I'm willing to believe that it's just kind of some stuff she needs to uh, brush off from her time there perhaps, or, you know, just kind of get in the groove in AEW. And I think it's going to be fine in the long run, but just, she was so, the crowd was so into her when she showed up and it, it feels like she's just kind of dead right now and it's really a bummer yeah certainly you should not be dead when you are in the finals of a tournament where you had four wins or whatever that's like when you should be really hot right like that's the idea there is you have two people coming on two sides of the bracket uh and they meet at their peak overness and hotness and momentum uh and they didn't really get that with ruby um but yeah you know it, it shouldn't have it should not this match should not have been what this match was. Is that a thing to say? Uh, if they'd been doing this Goldberg push with Jade, then you get to the finals and you have this be Jade's most competitive match ever with Ruby Soho. And it's instead of being three minutes, it's six and a half minutes. Um, you know, you like, and then I, you know, you've established Jade so strongly that it's not like you're hurting Ruby. The model, the model should be like if Jade's, Let's see if Jade, if Jade's Brock Lesnar, remember the really good, the last good WWE match ever, Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. It should have been that where it's like, yeah, no, it doesn't have to be a 10 minute match to be a great, exciting match. You can have them throwing all their bombs and, and going for their big spots in the first 30 seconds uh, and still have a good match between these two. And then you don't have all this additional time where they have to try and work out this longer story where, you know, Jade has to try and sell a, a hurt knee off of these little, you know, dinky kicks that Ruby's been giving her. Uh, yeah, it just didn't come together. I I think they should have been using Jade more strongly as a monster from the start. And it just should have, I know they already did this match, but it should have been Rosa in the, in the final. Like she kills everyone. Then she's got to go up against Rosa, who is super over, and everybody thinks of her as a really good wrestler. So then when Jade really didn't have that much of a problem beating her, you know, you give Rosa a couple of uh, spots on offense, but otherwise Jade just kind of dispatches her. Jade looks great, you know, looks like fucking unstoppable. So to me, that's just more interesting than than what they did. But, you know, you say, gosh, coming out of four wins, you shouldn't be dead. Yeah, well, that's the fucking problem of doing this over like eight months, this tournament, where it's just like a match whenever, here and there, we decide to do it. 
Uh, there's just no continuity, nobody. I mean, Jade is not even as popular. I don't know about popular, but people aren't as excited. She's not getting the same reaction at the end of this tournament as she has before. Well, and that's because, you know, when she appeared before, it was like, oh, we're seeing Jade's third match ever or whatever. And holy shit, look at this woman when she comes out with the big presentation and everything. This is awesome. Uh, but when you put her in a tournament and then you have to have her go and wrestle, you know, eight, nine minute matches or whatever, um, you just, you see the seams a little bit more and you get a little bit less excited. Um, so consequently, you know, you're not as, she's not as special as a presentation or as a, a, a spectacle featured attraction. Uh, and she's not making up that difference in terms of having, you know, great blow away matches or anything. Uh, so you kind of get the worst of both worlds doing it that way. All right, Nate, I'll come back to you. What's your uh, delete pick from this week's episode? Uh, well, I'm going to delete the main event. Uh, totally snake bit match. Uh, and it was really unfortunate. You know, obviously ends with the, well, I don't know. The, Phoenix breaks his arm in the big table spot at the end, uh, which was really uh, sad to see. Love Phoenix, you know, want bigger and better things for Phoenix all the time in this promotion. Uh, and, you know, just a horrific looking injury here that kind of cast a pall on the, the rest of the show, really. And uh, was just a big bummer, uh, you know, totally made for an awkward finale to the show with, you know, supposed to have this crowning moment for Jurassic Express. And, you know, they were obviously concerned and the camera has to shoot the ring and not show Phoenix at ringside and all this stuff. Uh, and that was on top of seemingly a botch earlier in the match where the lights went out in the middle of the match, uh, which didn't lead to anything um, and didn't didn't play into the match at all. The wrestlers look confused about it, so I presume it's just a botch. Uh, and that, you know, fucks with your whole perception of the match also because you're going, wait, are they, are they building to something on this? Is somebody, you know, all these tag teams are coming now. Is somebody going to black out the lights and make an appearance here as well? And just doesn't happen. So your expectations are all thrown off and then you have the awful injury. Um, you know, they had a bunch of cool spots in this match, you know, no surprise there. Uh, jungle boy, uh, has the, the, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm going to guess Santini brothers, Lucha training or whatever in SoCal. So he can hang with right. mm -hmm. Phoenix and Pentagon, uh, for all the Lucha stuff. So that's great. You know, he's a great baby face. Luchasaurus very over comes in and does his big guy spots. And that's a great, uh, dynamic and a great, you know, juxtaposition compared to all the other guys who are smaller. So he can do his big power spots and it looks awesome. Um, but even before, even before the blackout, even before the awful injury, it, it wasn't to that level of that, uh, was Minnesota, right? Yeah. Minnesota. No, Milwaukee. It was the Milwaukee match. Um, just didn't, you know, they, they were just a little disjointed or whatever. It didn't quite get in, up to the same speed or get to the same flow as that previous match. Um, so yeah, just to, just a snake bit match, not for lack of effort, not for lack of talent from any of these guys. They had all the pieces. It just didn't come together and ended in a big bummer of an injury. Yeah, it just was, it was something that we, you, you mentioned the Milwaukee match and that match was so much fun. That match really was something special. And this one, it had its moments and it really felt like it was probably not as solid as that one before, but it still was a really fun match. But it was something like the it's hard to talk like really positively about a match that ends that way. And it kind of just like has a pallor over it. 
then the thing for me was I did not catch the break on the initial thing, but they made sure that to have that in the replay, which I mean, I know that's it's frantic. They're dealing with a new director now with Keith Mitchell retiring, but I thought like the new director did a solid job by the way today, but it was something that's like, okay, you could dump out like the last half second of that. Like you show him go through the table, then you immediately cut back in the wearing. We did not need to see it again. And you could tell like jungle boy was legitimately bothered by it during the celebration. And you could tell that everyone was kind of frantic about it. And just was kind of like a bummer. And it was something that like, you could tell that they wanted to have like this big moment to end uh, or to start their TBS era for dynamite and having uh jungle boy, one of the four pillars, the one that arguably probably last one to get to like a major award or title and like do like that, like big coronation and it goes straight with it. It's, it, it, it's just a bummer. It's just sad. And of course, like prayers up to Phoenix and, Hopefully, it's like I did see a report that he was going to the hospital, and they do think it was a break and not a dislocation. So hopefully, he's back on the mend, and we we get to see him back in the ring real soon. Hmm. I don't know. I I missed the arm thing at first, and I thought the match was fun. It definitely wasn't as good as the Milwaukee match, but there were some cool spots. It was genuinely surprising to see Jungle Boy win and see their team win and change the titles. So I liked that. I like a surprise. Uh, I'm not sure it was a great build for like Jungle Boy winning his first title in the company, but, and like, they're not on the level of any of the other tag champions in the company, but they're a fun tag team. And it's a pretty good spot for Luchasaurus as like the other guy in the, in the Jungle Boy featured tag team. So I wasn't really down on this, but I didn't see the Phoenix thing until the replay and then when they posted it on Twitter. <laughs> so I wasn't uh, sure about it until the match was over. Yeah, um, Mike reminded me, I've been thinking about this. Um, I guess, Mike, you must be counting the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal ring as MJF's. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I'm referring to. Okay, I would, like, I would like, I don't know, Punk or one of the other guys. To make a point of like, hey, Max, you're one of the four pillars. You say you're, you know, better than everyone. Uh, you know, you're, you're, oh, you're, you're so young and so ahead of schedule and all these things. Uh, but he is now the last one to win a title in this company because Sammy and Darby and now Jungle Boy have all won titles. Britt Baker's won a title. MJF's the only one that hasn't won an actual title belt. So I'd like to see him make some hay out of that. Um, there's a free one for you, Max. Um, the... What was Aaron's point? I was going to respond to something Aaron said. I uh, said they had cool spots. Cool uh, spots, that's true. No, you were going to respond to they're not on the level of the other tag champions, I think. Oh, well, no. I was That I don't think is incorrect. I think that's pretty much correct. But I do think it's also, you know, you probably want to start accelerating with Jungle Boy now and saying, okay, you know, he's established on television, uh, but we want to start getting behind this young guy. He's like a next level guy. So I don't think that impulse is wrong. Uh, I guess really my thing is just kind of to lament the Lucha Brothers tag reign overall because uh, we really, you know, they could have had great matches with so many guys. Um, you know, it's kind of kind of a pointless conversation to have now because obviously Phoenix is injured and it's probably going to be out for a while. So it's hard to criticize the title change because that, you know, at least you have some continuity with the title change now. But, you know, I just, we didn't get 
Lucha Brothers versus a lot of interesting teams that are in this uh, promotion, um, especially now that they're adding, you know, Lucha Brothers and Red Dragon would be a fun match. Um, but mostly they were occupied with FTR and um, unless they had the acclaimed in there. Um, so it would have been cool to see him just get, you know, a couple other random title defenses or whatever, just so we could have the experience of Lucha Brothers versus these guys in a big match. All right. I think it's my turn. I'm just going to, you know, easy stuff. Uh, the Chris Jericho segment promo was very bad. What is there to say about it? It was just bad. It didn't do anything. The poor, the 2.0 guys did their fucking best to, to make the most of it. Uh, and you know, not sell how dumb it was. And I thought they were good in the segment, but it's just like, Oh man, what a bummer. Uh, not fun, not interesting, not compelling, <laughs> bad, 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 bad. As bad um, as Jericho's die job. The, yeah, I mean, the, the square and pinhead stuff just is not hitting at all. There's no argument about that. I don't know. The Terrence and Phillip thing, probably a better vein to tap, right? Because, you know, we're, at, we're wrestling fans. We've never advanced beyond uh i don't know 1998 south park probably so that was a better line but uh he didn't really come back to that um but you know i don't i go into jericho talk segments with very mixed expectations he's on a couple of occasions transcended them wildly uh and then on a lot of occasions this is exactly what you get is some corny stuff where he's doing his attitude era burns uh, and asking for chance and saying, yeah, baby or whatever. Uh, and that's just kind of what Chris Jericho is and the people fucking love him. So what are you going to do? It's great to be back yeah. in Newark. <laughs> All right. All right, baby. We're here tonight. Yeah. Uh, I, I, 2.0 has kind of was an act. I was like, okay, they're here. I don't know if this is going to work, but they've kind of become one of like my favorite lower card acts because they're they are great at eating scenery and you could beat them all the time. And all they have to do is come out and just have Matt Lee like shouting like like a madman and it works. Uh, Jericho is it's it's something that like you kind of I don't know. I, maybe this is something where it's like the general AEW fan base and then. I would say like a lot of our listeners, a lot of our patrons that we are just kind of a part that like we've seen it now. And I was more interested in this segment on how insane Chris Jericho looked like. I thought for a while he got new hair plugs in this, but it's very clear that uh, the, the, the die, it was very Rudy Giuliani at the press conference there. And then, and then like the segment, like, like he's beating up three heels with a baseball bat and then slowly up, uh, pride uh proud and powerful and eddie kingston like have like a really long slow saunter down the ring and they fend off three heels and just just kind of in a way like i yeah i built up the trios match on rampage but i just yeah but like this is like the kind of stuff where i said like i'm I'm a little bit more down on the show because i felt like a, a lot of these like segments and a lot of the talking on this show just did not work for me at all yeah, I mean, I think the, the Jericho content of his promo was definitely bad, uh, but I think the segment pretty much succeeded. Like, 
the the 2.0 and Daniel Garcia thing, you know, they come in and uh, he's got the bat, so he's got an equalizer, but they eventually overpower him. Um, and then you're, you know, you're doing like a slower burn on, hey, uh, Santana and Ortiz, they're Jericho's guys. Uh, and, you know, they independently have this beef with 2.0, that Eddie Kingston has this beef with 2.0, but Eddie Kingston and Jericho don't get along, so there's a slower burn on that. Uh, and that's, you know, going to be the big focus of this program or blow off of this program eventually. So, you know, if the Jericho promo had been actually funny, I think the rest of it would have been fine. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of, that's the, the big obstacle they didn't clear. Our listener delete for this week comes from our friend Patrick Cosmos, uh, who deletes the lights out teleportation. You can see in there. We are adults. Patrick says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that match, uh, that, that was the weakest match on the show. Probably. That was, I mean, you know, oh, okay. we, we all agreed that Malachi Black should just kill him. Uh, yeah, three and minutes. Didn't, didn't do that at all. No, did not need commercial break. Should have been three minutes. We should have had the sweet through the ropes drop kick from Brian Pillman Jr. He gets him back in the ring. He gets kicked in the head. We move on. Unless we're getting, unless we're getting the goop queen Julia. Like, unless that was going to happen and like that was the thing. There's no reason for this to be longer than three minutes for what the match was and not having an angle afterward. It, it was funny. I get it. I think it's got to be famous son privilege that, you know, Tony Khan has made clear that he'll fire people if he doesn't think their wrestling is good enough. But Brian Billman gets a ton of chances and matches on TV. He's good. He's he's good. He's a good character. He's uh, a good wrestler. I mean, his matches are mediocre at best. I think. I'm reminded yep. of uh, his match against Superworker MJF at Grand Slam, which was a total dud. That and of course, Brian Pillman, Brian Pillman had the worst match I've ever seen in, in my life against Tommy Dreamer, which will never leave my memory and will always color my opinion of him. Um, but yeah, he should just be tagging with Griff Garrison. I don't know why we need to do a singles program with him again. I didn't mind the commercial break because I thought like they do a good job of the you know, he he had his hope spot as we're going to commercial where he does the drop kick. It's just when they came back, it should have been Malachi Black is killing him and then he hits the roundhouse kick and it's over. Like that made sense to me. But it it definitely went on longer than it needed to. But um, I mean, I'll, I'll continue being the Brian Bowman Jr. apologist on the show. That's fine with me. I'm comfortable in this role. All right. Let's talk about uh, the rest of the show. Of course, it kicked off with the AW World title match with Hangman Page defeating Brian Danielson with a buckshot lariat. Then we had an acclaimed pre-tape. Uh, they're talking about how Bowens had uh, Darby Allen beat on Rampage, but Sting, who is a boomer, interfered. And in response, they're going to have a music video next week. Love it. It, when I heard Boomer, it made me think, do you remember the Bernie OK Boomer TikTok girl? Of like, course. In early 2000? Yeah, yeah. now she's a content creator for an esports team. Like, that was the thing that, like, that, that remember the, I, I like the segment, though. That was just something that popped my head. That I had to get Congratulations out. Congratulations to yeah, uh, her. Nico something is her name, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Lowell? Nico Lowell? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, MJF versus Sean Dean was the next match. Uh, it goes to get started. CM Punk ran in. He chased MJF out of the ring. He hit the captain with a GTS and thus Sean Dean won by disqualification. After the match, uh, 
they did some some promoing back and forth that I really hated, but I know uh, Nate liked. So I, I'll let him tell us about that. Uh, the what it leads to is MJF saying it's going to be Punk versus Wardlow next weekend. Punk accept next week. Punk accepts, and uh, the match was set later in the show. Yeah, I almost forgot about this, but I thought this was pretty much the strongest segment they've had in this whole feud. Um, you know, Punk. Uh, 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 making good on what he promised about fucking up MJF's, you know, title chances by messing with his win-loss record. I think that's, uh, you know, a clever little piece of booking. Um, you know, you get Sean Dean a win, who's been a job guy in this company, so that's a fun thing you can use with Sean Dean going forward. That he got this, uh, you know, first. I mean, how MJF? I don't know how many singles losses he's had. Not many. Um. So he can he can put that on his resume, and then yeah the the promo battle, uh, basically, you know they're they're both staying true to their character here. MJF's this guy who keeps threatening to go to WWE, and he's using that as heel heat, which I think is a a, a pretty correct reading of the AEW fandom to be like, oh, this guy wants to go to WWE, like he's out of his mind. What a what a jackass! Uh, I think MJF does a underrated job as far as his performance um of like the idea that he's a ridiculous heel and the idea that he actually believes some of the things that he's saying uh i think he only does that like in the in-between moments but there was a moment here where he said something to punk and punk uh you know responded uh and mjf was like uh totally incredulous that punk didn't agree with him on whatever he was saying uh which i think is a uh maybe a, a dimension of his character that he could bring out even more because i think he's good at conveying it um and then yeah punk had the killer line about yeah you can go if you want to go to the other company you can main event night four of a buy one get one free uh and that brought the whole promo home for me it was like yes thank you these are the funny kind of shots uh that we like in a pro wrestling war uh and you know punk totally turned the thing on its head you know i think even the positioning of you know cm punk was the original guy with the pipe bomb or whatever who's who set in motion the whole course of events that led to uh you know a a a react a rejection of the wwe i suppose on the millions of viewers scale um and so i think mjf positioning himself is like you're the anti-wwe guy i'm the pro wwe guy i think that's even a good uh impulse so i enjoyed this it made me laugh i'm just like is it still a war nate though like, it doesn't feel like it's really, like, NXT felt like that it was a thing. Now it's just kind of things in their, in, like, a similar, like, vein. But it doesn't feel yeah. like so much of a war at this point. Like, other than, you know, general us versus them. No, I, I, <laughs> I suppose, uh, you're right that it doesn't feel like a hot wrestling war uh, as much as it did at a certain time uh, in this, in this company's history. Um Mostly, I think, because the WWE has retreated from trying to fight it at all and is like, no, we're in a different business. We're not going to do that at all. Um, and, you know, uh, not only with NXT, but with their their approach to television content in general. Um, but there was another point I had. Maybe. I it, It's just something that, at least maybe for me, that kind of stuff got a little ham-fisted 
with the with like the WrestleMania yes. lines. Like it, it's something that it was like a interesting aside for Danielson in the lead up for the page match, like saying like, oh, after I went at WrestleMania, I wrestled the next night. Like that felt fitting. But like the, at this point, like with as much as like MJF and, J- and Punk are making this like the cornerstone of this feud in a way, or making this like such an important facet of the feud. I'm just kind of over like the thing. It, it It's not even like a caddy thing. It's just like, okay, we get it at this point, at least for me personally. The, so yeah, I mean, it's not super nuanced, you know, uh, deep character motivations or anything, but you're not going to get that with MJF anyway, because he's like a cheap Pete elemental. Uh, but yeah, the, it, is it a currently hot wrestling war? It doesn't especially feel like one, but now it's kind of funny that references to guys past in the WWE is like reduced to the way that somebody would insult John Cena's movie career. Uh, it's like, Oh, that's embarrassing. You know, you did this bad movie. You did this bad run of the WWE. So that's kind of a, a fitting end. Maybe. MJF singles losses in AEW, uh, the entire universe other than the captain, Sean Dean is, Chris Jericho and John Moxley. There you go. Congrats. That's an exclusive club for Sean Dean to join. However, there are some very funny singles losses in MJF's pre-AEW career. Ooh, MLW results. So let me give you a few of them. Matt Cross. I mean, that's not that funny, but uh, Willie Mack, Teddy Hart, VSK, Maybe my favorite, the retrosexual is VSK. Who's the who's VSK? Uh, is he create a pro? He's been on dark a lot, part of Massage Envy and beyond. Massage Envy, got it. Uh, the retrosexual, if anyone missed that, has a win over MJF. Uh, and maybe my favorite, his last singles loss before um, he lost any in AEW, Marshall Von Erich. That was the big uh, putting the guy over as you leave the territory. That's right. That's right. So there you go. That's uh, MJF not particularly protected before he came to AEW, but now very protected. Okay. Then we got a Jennifer Nettles promo for Cody versus Sammy and the Go Big Show. I know Mike loved it. I mean, delicious corporate synergy right there. Uh Jennifer Nettles, you're much better than this. You're much better than this. But who hey. is Jennifer Nettles? Uh, have you seen the Righteous Gemstones? No. Okay, then that's not going to work with you. Uh, she is a, a country music artist who's also an actress and is one of the judges on the Go Big Show, along with Cody, T Pain, and Rosario Dawson. Okay, she's she's in the group Sugarland. If you ever heard of them. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I've I've bought a Sugarland album as a gift for a family member before. Oh, nice! So it's probably still in my Amazon recommendations from 12 <laughs> years ago or something. Uh, next was the uh, Jericho segment. Uh, I mean, I know I've already talked about this, so I should have said this earlier, but I've got to put this in now. Uh, Jericho said he was here to get revenge on those jerk off 2.0 jackoffs. <laughs> yeah that's bad yeah uh then we got a little dark recap and the announcement that jake atlas is all elite uh do we want to i know we don't do rampage spoilers on this show but do we want to talk about the jake atlas thing is that news for the rampage they're tipping now 
Yeah. yeah. I didn't see it. Oh. Okay, well, fast forward if you don't want to hear this, but Jake Atlas in the match with Adam Cole blew his knee out and is uh, like done done, yeah. I think, uh, for, for some yeah. time. He was apparently crying in the ring and such. Jeez. Yeah. Bless that his heart. Sucks. Yes, very bad night uh, for injuries in Newark. And yeah, really bad for a guy like Atlas who had an awful experience in WWE and you know had retired from wrestling and looked happy and uh, he certainly looked good on Elevation or Dark, whichever one he was on. The match he had this week was good uh, with Serpentico. Awesome. He looked really yeah. good. And so it's just a huge bummer for him to probably be on the shelf for some time. Yeah. I hope he put ink on the contract. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I hope they put ink on the contract. I hope that, you know, given the stuff he said after leaving NXT, that the support network there is going to support him through this. Because I was... I, I only saw some of him in GCW before he got signed to WWE, but uh, I thought his matches for Pinnacle was great, and I was really excited about this Adam Cole match. Just a big bummer. Absolutely. It looked like he was going to get maybe some level of push. So it was uh, exciting. So hopefully it wasn't as bad as it looked, and he's back uh, as soon as possible. So I guess we'll see. And we had Adam Cole and Red Dragon backstage. H- have they referred to them as Red Dragon on TV? Yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Have you not seen the video? <laughs> There's a video. They were very explicit about it being a red dragon. Okay. I well, they had, they had red, a red dragon, dragon t-shirts, t-shirts on. on. Right. Yeah. So I was like, okay. But anyway, uh, Cole says, uh, Kyle, I know you didn't mean to kick me in the face. It was an accident, but it wasn't an accident when the Bucks came to make sure we got the win. Uh, and essentially, the point of this was for him to challenge Jake Atlas for Rampage. Then we had Wardlow versus Antonio Zambrano. Wardlow won with five powerbombs, the powerbomb symphony, they're calling it. And we got the same post-match we get in all the Wardlow matches now. But we did get Sean Spears attacking Anthony Zambrano before the match. That's That's the only difference. That's true. We had a recap also from Dark, of Chris Statt and legit Layla Hirsch not being able to coexist. So I guess they'll have a match at some point. Uh, then uh, the TBS final with Jade Cargill defeating Ruby Soho with an avalanche jaded. And uh, Mercedes Martinez tried to interfere at one point, but Rosa stopped her. So I guess that's another story that we've got going and a match I'm definitely looking forward to. Could be a great match. Yeah, you can do a tag there also. That'll be that'll be good. Um, we had a Jim Ross sit down with Serena Deeb. She says she wanted to have civilized matches with Sheeta, but now she wants to hurt her. She has demanded another match, and it was later announced that that match would be on Dynamite next week. Much better yeah. as a heel. Her heel, her heel stuff is very effective, I think. I you know, some folks are going to love this match. I'm just done with this. And it, they're going to eventually have an Iron Woman match that people are going to go nuts for. That will be just overall fine. Like, it seems pretty apparent what's going on here with this. I'm just kind of over it at this point. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows I don't care. Malachi Black versus uh, Brian Pillman Jr., which we talked about. Black one with a roundhouse kick. Um, after the match... Black was going back into the ring to attack Pillman. Julia was like over Pillman checking on him. She retreated. The Lucha brothers and Alex Abrahantes came out to make the save. The lights went out. 
when the lights came back on, as Patrick discussed in our listener delete, the Lucha Brothers and Alex were in the ring and and Black was on the ramp instead. We got some Brody King chance because people were expecting Brody. Yes, and I guess Julia is playing up on Twitter that uh, whether she is joining the House of Black. Yeah, she's been corrupted by his evil spit. She's going to be the Queen of Goop. Let's move over Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, this was also said in the Discord, and my response then as well was, AEW has already um, taken back Jade from Gwyneth Paltrow, so time to take back Goop. What is Jade? She had the whole thing about uh, vagina crystals. <laughs> you remember that? Uh, that does sound familiar. Is Jade a particular meaning? <laughs> I think it, I think just one of them was a jade crystal that you were supposed to uh, insert into your vagina. Gotcha. <laughs> Are you glad you asked? Cool. <laughs> Uh, Ruby Soho was backstage with Tony Schiavone. Uh, this is going to shock you, but before she could talk, Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel interrupted. Britt uh, says that Ruby couldn't get it done again like she couldn't at Grand Slam. Uh, Ruby said, well, you never win without help, and you've never beaten Riho, so why don't you go prepare and leave me alone? Uh, Britt attacked her. Riho, in the blue and white again, made the save. With, I think, red hair or dyed hair of some color, Riho. Yeah, but that was fun. She, her flying in from the side and, you know, throwing her whole body and the refs pulling her off. That was good. Uh, I think I've said this before, but I'm always a little surprised by, I think Ruby has like a pretty good naturalistic kind of talking style when she's in these backstage segments where it's like, oh, yeah, no, she seems like she's uh, fucking tired of this and fed up with Britt Baker or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, you know, there is... There's definitely, I think people like Ruby Soho, the person, uh, and that goes to a lot of like her initial reception and people wanted to root for her. Um, so yeah, there's definitely stuff there as a baby face. Then we got QT Marshall and Aaron Solo backstage. Uh, he says that Hook was bad at training. And this is about a Hook versus Aaron Solo match that's going to be on Rampage. And the main event was the tag title match with uh, the Jurassic Express defeating the Lucha Brothers. Jungle Boy got a roll up on Penta on a Made in Japan reversal. After the match, a bunch of tag teams came out to suggest, you know, they could challenge Jurassic Express. Some people were sitting in the upper deck. Uh, poor Santana and Ortiz looked fucking miserable when the camera panned to them and they were just like, why the fuck are we here? Yeah, they seem disgruntled. Uh, also, yeah, showing Jericho and Malachi Black sitting in the stand. I got, don't think Jericho's part of an active tag team. This just seemed weird to go to him so much in this. But I, I think it was all audibles at that point. You know, like they they were trying to vary up the shots, and you know Jericho was up there. Malachi Black being up there, I think that that's a faux pas. Like you shouldn't have had the camera on Malachi Black, but. 
Satan and Ortiz did not look happy at all. Would have been great if they had Malachi Black and he's just like scrubbing his makeup off. He's like, well, I'm done now. <laughs> Gotta get my evil, turn off my evil eye powers. <laughs> Jericho was like, he was like me when I like take a family picture, you know, where it's like you smile when the camera's on you and then like immediately you just drop your face as soon as the, the picture's over, you know, because he would just be like, I'm sitting here. and he's like, oh, camera, red light. I see the red light. I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. I'm Chris Jericho, but Santana Ortiz did not feel the need to do the same. They were just like, uh, this sucks, actually. We should be the tag champions. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but certainly what it felt like. All right, that was Dynamite for this week. If you like our show, go over to patreon.com slash everything elite. We do lots of shows. We do light uh, where we preview Dynamite, look back at Dark and Elevation, and Nate does the BTE quick hits. Uh, we also have World Tour where we look at Rampage. This week on World Tour, we're going to be reviewing Rampage. We're going to be reviewing Battle of the Belts. And I have a special first-time guest, someone who's never been on our Patreon before, will be guesting. I don't like to tease it like uh, explicitly because, you know, things happen and you have to call audibles. But the plan is first time guest on uh, Rampage or on World Tour this weekend. We're also going to be uh, doing the awards show this weekend. So we'll have that up uh, hopefully next week sometime with all our awards. And then you all can vote. Uh, well, it's just our patrons. So you have to sign up to Patreon if you want to vote. But the way we do our awards show is the three of us in each category that we have, we nominate one person or match or one whatever. And then we reach a consensus on the fourth nominee and we put it all up for a vote on Patreon. And uh, at some point, uh, if we can convince Nate to do it again, he'll make some uh, graphics and post the winners. Yeah, I'm really happy with my uh, my nomination system that I devised. Oh, have you done that much prep work? No, I just mean the way we came up with with us identifying the nominees, I think it's a ah. good system. It is it's a good a better, system. Better audio than just, I don't know, naming some people and, and reading vote tallies, you know? Oh, I agree. No, it's it's a good show. And we get to remember some things that happen throughout the year. So let's remember show. some things. Yes. <laughs> uh, we have a Discord. So make sure if you sign up, uh, you check that out. And uh, a very relevant uh, Mike's Tea Break still from last month uh, about the the collapse of ring of honor that you might want to uh, check out we got all kinds of stuff up there i think we over the last year i did do some math because i'm a sicko and i like counting this on patreon we did at least 120 hours of audio so five dollars gets you all that audio 10 hours audio a month that's uh, right 50 cents an hour go get it we got to raise the prices uh, patreon.com slash everything elite sign up before we raise the prices uh, this weekend on rampage in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, the, we'll have, I don't know if they'll have Adam Cole versus Jake Atlas. I'm not exactly sure what will happen with that. Uh, there's a no rules match. Daniel Garcia and 2.0 versus Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz hook versus Aaron solo and Ruby Soho and Riho will take on Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. So a good, good-looking rampage. And then, of course, on Saturday, it's Battle for the Belts in Charlotte. Uh, we have, for the women's title, 
uh, Britt Baker versus Riho. And for the TNT title, uh, Cody defends in a rematch against Sammy Guevara. Kind of surprised they haven't announced a third match for that. You would think they would. Maybe Britt and Riho are going 60 minutes. Well, then there's no time for Cody versus Sammy, and that solves all the world's problems, doesn't it? <laughs> I was going to say, I hope so. <laughs> I hope that's what happens. Um, and R- then for who should Di- win? Who should win? Riho. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Riho should win. No doubt. Well, you know, now they're, they got both the women's titles are held by heels who rely on interference. So they are going to have to mix <laughs> up one of those, perhaps. Well, that that's a lot of the company, so it's hard to avoid that. Uh, was pointed out that the TBS women's title is now like three times the size of their women's championship title, and this is the larger version, of course, of the women's title. So they uh, saw their error and now have corrected it for the TBS belt. Uh, just because I always do this, I'm going to go ahead and throw it in dynamite for next week in Raleigh. Uh, they have CM Punk versus Wardlow, Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb, and Powerhouse Hobbs versus Dante Martin. So that's an exciting match for Dynamite next week. We'll talk about it on Light. We'll preview it on Light. Uh, but yeah, Rampage, Battle for the Belts, we'll talk about on World Tour with a special first-time guest. It'll just be me and the guest, but we'll do that. Um, I think that's it. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we go? I think that's all. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. wonderful listeners. Absolutely. Um, that's all. Okay. We're on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review and uh, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and support us. That's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.